My name is Tyler Martin. I'm the lead pastor of Outdoor Church, and I cannot thank you enough for being here for our first uh, public church gathering. It means the world to me. You know, from the beginning of time, people have wanted to communicate. If you think back to like the earliest and the earliest of forms of communication, it was cave paintings or petroglyphs. <clears throat> and then, uh, I mean, that's from the very onset of humanity. People start drawing pictures in caves. It's taken scholars centuries to figure out what in the world were they trying to say. Right? That was the earliest forms of written communication. But then if, if I think about a more of a, uh, a modern approach to communication. I think that in, in 1836, a guy invents Morse code. How many of you even know what Morse code is? Okay, 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 I'm impressed with that. I, I take back my thinking that everyone was as ignorant as I was. <clears throat> so Morse code is in 1836, and then in 1876, we get our first telephone. Almost 100 years later, in 1947, we get our first cell phone. This is cracking me up. This is when I was born. 1992, we get our first text message. Holy smokes. Now, fast forward to um, 2019 in Barnum, Wyoming. We've got Facebook, FaceTime, Twitter, Snapchat, Marco Polo. We've got uh, conference calls. We've got email. We've got, or we still have fax. I don't know why. But we've got all these different types of communication People love to communicate. It's wired into our DNA that we want to communicate messages to our friends and to our family. Well, today we're going to look at a passage in the Bible that shows us that God, since the beginning of time, has been communicating a message to us. That passage is in the Bible. It's in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Now, Hebrews is a relatively small book at the back of your Bible. If you have, if you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles on the ends of every row. If you want that Bible, that is our gift to you. One of the things that we believe in Outfitter Church is that God has spoken to us. And he has spoken to us through his word, which we call the Bible. What I say about life does not matter. What God says about life matters. And so because we believe that so strongly, we want you to be reading along in the Bible with us, knowing that whatever is coming out of my mouth, if it's not backed up from the Bible, then you better ignore it. And so if you don't have a Bible or you would like one, that is our gift to you, and we would be happy for you to read along with us and to take that home. If you still would rather a more modern way, the passage will be on the screen behind me. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Let's read. Long ago, God spoke to the fathers by the prophets at different times and in different ways. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. God has appointed him heir of all things and made the universe through him. Verse 3. 
The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So he became superior to the angels, just as the name he inherited is more excellent than theirs. The first thing that we see in this passage is that from a long time ago, God has been communicating a message. And he starts out with saying, long ago God spoke to the fathers by the prophets at different times and in different ways. And one of the things, um, one of the things about that is that it says he spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Well, who were the fathers? Well, the fathers were the um, really well-known Jewish leaders, right? We may think of Abraham or uh, several other types of people throughout the Old Testament history. That's what he's meaning, the fathers. Well, that's a representative term, meaning all Jewish people, which we call the nation of Israel. And so God spoke long ago, from the beginning of time, God spoke to his people in different ways. Well, as you look through the Old Testament of the Bible, which is everything written before Jesus is born, if you look through the Old Testament of the Bible, there are three primary players in the Old Testament. And they were prophets, they were priests, and they were kings. Now the prophets, think of people like um, Isaiah, or Jeremiah, or um, Ezekiel. Right? We, we, we think of these names, maybe you're familiar with them, if you're not, that's okay. Um, but he spoke through these specially God-called men that would hear directly from God, and then they would communicate that message to the nation of Israel, all the Jewish people. And so that was how God would speak to them, uh, to his people. That was one of the long ago, as in many times, in many ways, was the prophets. And then you had priests. And the priests, now, you've heard of like an OG, like an original gangster, right? These were the OPs. These were the original pastors, okay? And so these people would intercede for the nation of Israel on behalf of, or they would intercede to God for them. What that looked like is that in the Old Testament, again, before Jesus was born, in the Old Testament, they did a sacrificial system. And so depending on what you needed to repent of or what you had done wrong, you would bring a goat or a dove or some barley from your fields or um, all kinds of different wheat, whatever that may be, and you would take that to the priest, and then the priest would sacrifice that on the altar, and then that was your way of, of kind of saying a prayer of forgiveness to God. And so you have prophets that spoke, they heard directly from God and spoke God's word to the nation of Israel. And then the priests served as the pastors that would help those people find forgiveness for their sins um, and be able to walk in a right relationship with their God. And then you have kings. I think about King David. He's most famous for his squabble with a big man named Goliath. Right? You've got David and Goliath. This was a king. These people led Israel by establishing land. They would conquer other nations. They were the CEOs of the nation of Israel. They would conquer lands. They would uh, lead their armies. And they would sustain the economic side of the nation of Israel. So you have prophets speaking on behalf of God. You had priests helping you seek God and be made right with God. And then you had the kings 
that were leading you and helping you to be a healthy economic city. It was those three major characters, players in the game that God used to speak to his people. So that's where this book of Hebrews, it's written to a Jewish audience, and so they understood this. I'm not Jewish, and I don't know if you are, but I, I needed to make sure I knew what was happening in this book before we began to teach on it. And so long ago, God spoke to the prophets, the priests, and the kings, and then here we come uh, to verse 2. It says, in these last days, meaning in more recent times, moving from Morse code to FaceTime, it says, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Says that God has appointed him heir of all things and made the universe through him. And so God is giving an upgrade. Right? If he's doing an upgrade, then, then who is this son and what has he done? Right? Says, long ago I spoke to you in these ways, but why did God see the need to upgrade how he was communicating his message to his people? Well, let's take a look at the sun. Verse 3 says, The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by the power of his word. If you didn't notice, there was, there was two ladies up here. Both of them are awesome. One of them I am biased towards. And this beautiful lady that was standing right here is my wife. And on the day that we got married, May 2nd, 2015, we, we opened the doors of the church building and we were walking out and the photographer gets this awesome picture and the sun is coming through the stained glass windows behind him and, and Ash and I are just beaming from ear to ear with joy. Holy smokes, we were married, we were so excited. And, and, and the photographer captured that moment. And, and, and that's the best illustration I can think of when it comes to um, being filled with the radiance of God's glory. It says that the sun, so long ago, many times, but now the sun. Well, who is the sun? And what has he done? Well, who he is is he's, he's radiating God's glory. If you were to look at the sun per se, you would see the goodness of God. Not only is he radiating God's glory, but he says that he is the exact expression of God's nature. I'm a Wyoming Cowboys fan now, but previously I lived in Texas, and there's a school called Texas A&M, they're the Aggies. I'm sure you know of them because everyone knows how obnoxious they are. <laughs> they have the largest rings ever. I mean, these, like when you graduate from there, you don't even have to ask someone when they're like dragging their hand behind and then they throw it on the table where you're hanging out with them. You know, oh, he graduated from Texas A&M because he had this huge ring, right? I don't know why I decided to trash them. I just wanted to. Go Cowboys. And, and, and this is how kings in ancient times would work. Is they had these huge rings. These signet rings that had this special signature or emblem on it. And, and if the king wanted to make a decree, it would be dipped in ink. And then it would be put on the decree so that it said that this came from the mouth of our king. Sometimes though... The king would hand his ring to a trusted official. And that official could make a decree and then stamp it. And even though it was a decree made by the trusted official, it came from the mouth of the king. 
so it would have been understood. And that's what this author is saying. Not only if you were to look at this son, would you see the goodness and the glory of God, but when you look at him, you see the exact expression of God's nature. In everything that this son did, we know the son to be Jesus Christ. Everything he did was with exact expression of God's nature. He communicated with precision who God was. That was the role of the prophet, was to hear from God and speak for God. That's what Jesus is doing right here. The author is making this very clear. He says, here's how God used to speak to you. Now there's a son. Not only is he the radiance of God, but he's also the exact expression of who God is. This son is a better prophet. You can hear from God better from him. Moving on, now we go into the priest. And it says in verse, uh, at the back half of verse 3, after making purification for sins. I told you the priests were kind of the original pastors and they helped uh, people um, make their sacrifices. And again, depending on what kind of sin it was, uh, they would have a goat or a lamb or a dove or whatever it would be. But they would come. And daily, these people would have to confess their sins and, and have these sacrificial systems. But then the big one, this is huge. Every single year, one priest would go into a special place in this tabernacle that they had called the Most Holy Place. And it was known that God's presence dwelt there. And only once a year was the high priest allowed to go in. And on that year, he would go in and he would ask God to forgive the sins of the entire nation of Israel. That's a great thing, but it was year after year after year, and it had to be repeated. It had to be repeated because it was never complete. But yet this son that God is now communicating through, it says that he made purification for sins. It didn't say he set up it on his calendar every year to repeat. No, it said that after he had made purification for sins, not only is Jesus a better prophet that you can hear from God better from him, but this son is also a better priest. And then not after a, a repetitive year after year, day after day, do you have to have this, this certain sacrifice to be forgiven? But no, he is the sacrifice. And it says that after he made purification for sins, so in him, in this son is the purification. He's a better priest. After making purifications for sin, he sat down and is seated at the right hand of majesty on high. Let me interpret that. He's seated in heaven on God's throne. Kings sit on thrones, correct? Kings rule certain geographic areas of their land. Kings sit on a throne that symbolizes their rule over that land. Not only is Jesus a better prophet and that he's the exact nature of God, not only has he paid for the sins in his own life, but now he is seated on his throne as the king of kings and lord of lords. He is seated, which means his work is done. And he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I don't know a king who has a bigger kingdom than the universe. 
And yet we see that Jesus is a better prophet, he's a better priest, and he's a better king. This son, Jesus, is the most crystal clear way God can communicate his message. So now that we know who the son is, what has the son done? There are four books in this Bible that we call the Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those four books are written by four different authors. And some of those books are written between 5 to 20 years apart. And some of the authors never met. Yet, not one thing they write is significantly contradictory. I'm talking, I mean, they might have a comma where someone else put an exclamation mark. But when it comes to what was taking place, with exact precision. Now, I just met you tonight, man. But if I were to tell you a story, if I were to tell you something and I just whispered it to you with my microphone off, and then I had you pass that, it's the old classic game of telephone, and it passed back somewhere along the line, not with you, but one of these, they would distort the message, right? I could say potatoes, and by the time it got back there, it would be like bacon hamburger, you know? We've seen that. You can't, we as humans, that's why we have FaceTime, because we can't communicate well. We're finding all kinds of new uh, technological advances so we can communicate, but the game of telephone proves to us that when someone has a message and they pass it more than once, it's going to get distorted. Yet, when it comes to the Bible, there's several hundred years between all of these books together, and yet they all agree. Why? Because the God that from long ago, at many times, in many ways, he's been communicating a message and it's gotten better and better and better and better. And now it culminates in this son, the message that we need to hear from God. So God has faithfully preserved this book so that we can hear his message. And so Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all tell the stories of Jesus. And they say that he was born of a virgin Mary. A virgin named Mary. And you say, well, man, that's kind of crazy. I can't believe in a virgin birth. Well, let me just put some things in perspective for us all, right? I feel that, that it's strange, okay? I feel that. But let me just put some things in perspective. When God spoke and said, let there be light, the beautiful Wyoming sunsets that we get came into existence. When God formed the trees with his word, those beautiful aspens on Castle Mountain that are changing colors right now. If half of us were to go buy one of those trees and do everything we could with the unlimited budget, they would probably still die in our backyards, but yet God spoke it. And yet here they are. And when God created the topography and the mountains and the rivers, the Teton Mountains were spoke into existence. We can't even hike to the top of it, and yet God just breathed it. So my God is big enough and powerful enough to create life for a virgin named Mary. Now why does she have to be a virgin? Because humanity had fallen. Humanity had walked away from God and so he had to clothe God himself in the flesh and come to earth and humble himself to be a, to be a human who suffered and was tempted like us. 
So he creates Jesus, and Jesus is God in the flesh, and he comes and he's born of a virgin Mary. He lives a meager and simple life. At age 33, he's baptized, and he goes into this um, public ministry, and he had a message. Do you know what the message was? Repent, for the kingdom is near. Long ago, many times, God had spoken. It was that same message, but now, here, God in the flesh, in the Son of God, Jesus Christ, and His message for three straight years was repent, for the kingdom of God is near. And what that meant was there is coming a time when you will die. And what you've done in this life matters. Who you've put your faith in in this life matters. But the Jews didn't like that. Oh, they didn't like it. Repent for the kingdom is near. They said, follow the Lord. And they were like, no, 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 no. Hey, hush up with all this stuff, Jesus. We, we've installed like all kinds of thousands of rules and things that you can't ever do and you get in trouble for doing it. But we don't do any of them. So everyone thinks that we're righteous. And so, Jesus, shut up. There's a lot of little kids in this room. I apologize. Jesus, be quiet. And so he says, Jesus, stop, man. You're ruining our, our, our scheme going on over here. And Jesus wouldn't stop. And so what did they do? They had one of his own disciples betray Jesus. And Jesus was brutally beaten and tortured. And then, in the most humiliating form of Roman execution that they had in the time, the Jews give him to the Romans. The Romans hang the man, Jesus Christ, on a cross. And he hung there. Nails through his hands, nails through his feet, and he died. All four Gospels, all Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all tell the exact same story. That Jesus was brutally beaten, and he was hung on a tree or cross, and he died. They took him down that night, and they buried him in a tomb, and they closed it with a huge rock. From anyone who had eyes and could see and had hear, ears and could hear, the story of this great man who offered life was over. But can I tell you what happened next? The same God that, that spoke the Aspens onto Casper Mountain, the same God that spoke in the North Platte River was created, and the same God that spoke the Tetons into existence, even though Jesus was dead, he spoke and he rose him from the dead, and Jesus came back to life, and this massive stone, which was guarded by soldiers, was rolled out of the way, and Jesus walked out, and I tell you today that Jesus is in heaven, alive, seated at the hand, or seated on the throne of God in heaven. See, death was part of the plan. He had to be a better prophet. He had to be a better priest, and he had to be a better king. There's no one on earth who has conquered death. Death was part of the plan. See, as Jesus hung on that cross, he was taking for you the sins of, of, of all of your sins, all of my sins. He's taking them as God's wrath is poured out on him on the cross. He took that. And then he faced death, something that every single one of us must face. And the only one to be resurrected from the dead comes back to life. Jesus is a better prophet. He's a better priest. 
And He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He had to die for us. He had to die for this terrible three-letter word called sin. And sin is anything that is against God's perfect standard. Now, I don't have to look far in my own life to find sin. And if we were all honest with one another, we don't have to look very far to find sin in our own lives. And that sin places us in a category called enemy of God. Well, why is that? Well, because God is perfect and He created us to follow Him. See, it's like driving a Ford and then calling the Chevy dealer and asking them what's wrong with your Ford, right? In our lives, we've consulted the wrong owner's manuals for how our lives ought to be lived. And God is not just going to scoff and let that go. No, He loves you enough that He will demand that you live the life that He created you for. And so we, with sin, moves us into a category with, which places us as an enemy of God and, and not listening to Him and not doing what God wants us to do. And that can be as big as, as murder, that can be as small as lying. And, and all of these things, it's, we depart from being who God created us to be. And we go against things that God has said is the way to go. God is a good judge. If someone were to come into your home and commit all sorts of grievous crimes and they caught the guy and you go to court and the judge says, I'm feeling merciful, you're free. But he killed my family. There must be justice. See, God is a good judge, like a good judge. And when we've crossed the line, he demands that that be taken care of. And the penalty for sin is this eternal place called hell. We believe in heaven and we believe in hell. Hell is the life that God originally created us for. Perfect fellowship, no sin, no death, no cancer, no selfishness, no division, no family drama, no pain, no hurt. Just perfect unity, perfect life. Hell is the separation from all of those things. Hell is an unending torment of all things good and from God himself. Sorry, it's an unending torment which is separation from all things good and, and God himself. And we believe that to be a literal place. The Bible teaches that. That's the just, just punishment for sin. We've wronged God. He gives us chances to fix that, and we go to our death without accepting it. The eternal punishment of sin is hell. But we don't have this rude God who wags his finger at us in the sky. No, we have a God that long ago, in many times, and in many ways, he spoke this message to us. But now, in his son, Jesus, he has made it crystal clear that you don't have to die. You don't have to be separated from Him in hell. You can have life and life to the full, and it's through believing in this Son.
This son in his flesh, in his life, he did what we could not do. Which is make purification for our sins. To act in complete obedience to God. And to be the king of the universe. Long ago, God spoke to the fathers by the prophets in different times and in different ways. But now God has communicated to you through His Son. This Son's name is Jesus. And the Bible says that in, in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, the Bible says that if you believe in your heart, or if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you shall be saved. Which is a Bible word for being made right with God. And then verse 13, just a couple after that, says, For all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Luke uh, Luke chapter 9, verses 23 and 24, and this is one of those gospel books that talks about Jesus' death and burial and resurrection. It says, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily, which means be willing to die to your own desires every single day. So if anyone wants to come follow after Jesus, let them deny their own pleasures and be ready to die to themselves daily and follow me. And whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for the sake of Christ will find it. That passage ends with them saying, what would it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his life? Some of you were here at Beast Feast, and that was the same passage that Luke uh, shared at Beast Feast. I wonder if, as you heard this message today, clearly communicated from the Lord, I wonder if God has worked in your heart and your mind so that you can see now that you have sinned and fallen into condemnation. I wonder if you see now that, that the Son, Jesus, died in your place. I wonder if you see now why you were created. I wonder if you see now that you've been consulting the wrong owner's manual for your life. The message has never been more clear. God has sent His Son to die on the cross for your sins and for my sins so that we could put our faith in that Son, which means that we're made right with God and we're forgiven of our sins. And then the Bible says that He will give you His Holy Spirit, which is like a conscience, but it's living and it's alive and it's God living in you. And that will guide you as you continue to follow Jesus all the days of your life. I wonder if today, as you've heard that message from the Lord, if you want to place your faith in Him. If you say, today's the day, I'm throwing out the old manual, I want the new one. I'm going to ask our band to come up.
as we prepare to close and to respond to God and what we've heard. If you have heard from the Lord today that you need to repent of your sins and follow Jesus, it's going to be a tough road. Being Christian does not make all the pain go away. But it promises that in your pain there's purpose, and it means that in your pain you're never alone. It means that God will forever be with you. It also adopts you into a family, the church. We would love to be your family and help you walk through this life never alone and never without purpose. So if that's you tonight, and you want to give your life to Christ, you want to follow the Lord, then I'm going to say a prayer. And what I would say to, for you is, is you can shout it from the rooftops if you want to, but I would just say it in your heart or say it quietly under your breath. There's nothing fancy about what prayer I'm going to pray. I'm just going to declare the same truths that the Bible says you must declare. Romans 10, 9, 10 says, If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, you can be saved. And so if tonight... It's not an accident that you were here. God brought you here. It may have been a Facebook post. It may have been a sign. But you're here for a reason. Because there's a God that from the moment of your birth has been passionately chasing after you. Wanting you to know the life that he has created for you. It's only found in Jesus. So if that's you, I'm going to pray for you. And I want you to repeat after me. And in this prayer, you're committing yourself to following Jesus. You're committing yourself to changing. So I'm going to ask that just so that we can have focus and, 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 and some personal reflection time as we make decisions for eternal purpose, that we would bow our heads and close our eyes. If you want life, then repeat this prayer after me. God, I see now that I have sinned. And that sin brought condemnation. I see that you sent your son for me. Jesus took my sins died in my place. Jesus rose from the dead and is seated on the throne in heaven. I want to turn away from my sin. I want to follow Jesus. I want a new life. God, forgive my sin. I give you my life. I am yours. I will follow you all my days. And now I want to speak to my Christian brothers and sisters in the room. Heads bowed, eyes closed as, as we're reflecting on what we've just heard. If you believe in Jesus and you know him, friends, the time is now. 
The message has never been clearer that without Jesus, we don't have purpose in this life and we're not set up for eternity. The majority of the people that we live with, work with, and hang out with, they do not know Jesus. We want to see Jesus change Bondon. We want to see Jesus change Casper and Mills and Evansville. We want to see Jesus change all of Wyoming. The majority of people don't make decisions in churches like this, in, in, in church gatherings like this. They make it on the dinner tables. And so I encourage you. I love what we're doing here, brothers and sisters. I think this is an amazing service. Clearly, I'm the pastor here. I love this. But before you invite people to this church gathering, I want you to invite them into your life. I want you to tell them what Jesus has done in your life. We have a God that has clearly spoken to us through His Son. May we never take advantage of that. I'm going to say a prayer, and then we'll sing a song in response. Father, thank you so much. for allowing us to just learn more about who you are. Thank you, Jesus, for every single person that came here today. I pray that whether they know you or whether they don't, or whether they just put their faith, faith in you, that you would bless them. God, that you would sustain them. God, I pray for Outfitter Church to be a mighty, powerful proclamation of your name. We pray that we would be here until you come back, Jesus. Please bless every family here and every family in Barna. And we love you. We love this city. We want to see them love you as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.